Hi, y'all. Welcome to Windshield Time. This is Day and Ari. Thanks for joining us again. Today is going to be another exploratory journey in podcasting because we're doing what I might call it a quad pod. Quad yeah. pod. Two guests. <laughs> Say hi, Ari. Hi, y'all. Uh, so we'll do a quick introduction of uh, ourselves. And, oh, no, we're going to do that in the main segment. Ari, if you want to please describe what Windshield Time is to the folks listening. Yeah. So Windshield Time is a non-technical, fun podcast, fun cast, <laughs> about <laughs> life, money, and Bitcoin for parents and busy working people who are curious about Bitcoin, blockchains, and crypto assets. Day and myself and our guests today, we have Michael and Heather talk about this evolutionary technology and how it touches all part of lives, our lives. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, you guys want to say hi real quick, Michael? Sure. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Uh, Heather? Hello. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to have Michael and Heather. Um, I've been working with them for quite some time. I can give a quick introduction. Uh, let's do that. Uh, let's just go ahead and roll Dom's disclosures, disclaimers, and then we can do, go into yours and my introductions, and then you introduce them, and then we can just dive in. Okay, well, this How will be sound? really exciting. I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is super awesome. So, yeah, we're sitting... In the office here, we get a beautiful view of Lake Union. I mean, just one of the most you know beautiful cities around. You know, unbiased opinion, of course. Uh, so, thanks again to Dom McCoymy for reading the disclosures, disclaimers, and we'll go ahead and roll you now. Thanks. Hi, y'all. This is Dom from CoinMe, or you might know me from the Blockchain Minute, your daily show for the most important story on the blockchain. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guests or its host is to be taken as financial advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Security and Exchange Commission of the United States of America or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that the hosts, Arian Day, and their guests are not financial advisors of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or zombie or robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of this known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion that may be found in this podcast are fully your responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. Mature adult discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. All right, awesome. Thanks, Dom, for, again, doing the uh, reading of the disclosures disclaimers. I'll put my computer on mute. Um, introduce yourself, Ari. You, you go first. Your quick <laughs> intro. Quick All right. Intro. I'm a former musician turned management consultant turned uh, now currently the chair of the Cascadia Blockchain Council, powered by the WTIA, which is the Washington Technology Industry Association. And um, just loving life. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive, <laughs> is our uh, Travis Kling uh, said on one of his uh, updates, monthly updates. Uh, so, yeah, I am Day and the co-host here. And I worked uh, for a couple of decades in the wide area networking business. And what that means is regular speak is that I helped very large companies, otherwise known as enterprises, connect their office and uh, office locations together, whether it's regionally, nationally, or internationally for major telecom companies. 
Um, so how about the introductions of our guests? Yeah, well, I mean, our guests are right here, so <laughs> I think they should uh, introduce themselves. But Michael Schusler is currently the uh, CEO of the WTIA, has like an amazing history um, from classmates.com to monster.com, uh, formerly in Real Networks. And then we also have Heather Edmond, um, who's actually a, f- a form, uh, investor in my uh, one of my first startups, Giftstrider. And so, so thankful for the journey um, that we've been on ever since. It's been, and, uh, it's been several years. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Just, just a huge fan of Heather, uh, really involved in politics and sits on a million boards. Mm. And she's currently <laughs> the chair of the board of the WTIA. So she's my boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you Governance. introduce <laughs> yourselves, Heather? Yes, so Heather Redman, and my day job now is as a venture capitalist. I run a firm called Flying Fish Partners. So I took that uh, angel investing history, uh, and including in Aries Company, and have turned it into a real job. That's awesome. Thanks. And Michael? Yeah, um, CEO of the WTIA, you said it. I've uh, been a technologist for, God, almost 45 years. <laughs> I started programming computers when I was 13 years old. So I've been playing with one form of technology or another for a very long time. Very excited to be uh, um, in this position as the head of the WTIA. I've been here for six years. I'm, I'm super, super stoked. Yeah, I'm super oh, wow. stoked about this opportunity. What was your first computer? That you were coding? Um, yeah, so my very first computer was uh, PDP-11. It was a bang on the wall. What was that? <laughs> PDP-11. It's a long time ago. It's oh, an old, no old computer. Yeah. Okay. And then after oh. that, uh, Digital Equipment Corporation, okay, and then, which was a mini computer. Yeah. Um, and then lots of other stuff. I started on paper tape and then punch cards. Paper tape. Yeah. I got really advanced and got my first floppy disk, which was about the size of a, you know, a record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. In fact, in order to, to, to boot the computer, you had to put the binary uh, 16-bit switches you had to load the accumulator, Holy cow. literally like assembly language by <laughs> hand. That was those were the good old days. I would so not have guessed you go that far back. <laughs> yeah. Very You're youthful, old guy. Very <laughs> active on the pedal boards. All the yeah. uh, exercise yeah, and yeah, outdoors yeah. time, right? <laughs> Zero body fat. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so um, usually we start the uh, the show off with uh, a little Bitcoin math. We call it Satoshi math. And so checked out the uh, price of Bitcoin. It's uh, off Blockfolio. And it's currently at $10,540. Nice. It's holding. That's, it's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then if you do the Satoshi math, which is one, representing $1, divided by eight decimal points, taking the $10,548, uh, making it into a decimal point. So it's point zero 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 one zero five four eight, And uh, you get 9000 Four hundred eighty dollars, or four four hundred eighty satoshis. Yeah, satoshis yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So ten thousand dollars of Bitcoin, you get ten thousand satoshis. It's very metric e like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're holding steady, and uh, let's see where it goes from here. I guess. Do you guys familiar with Bitcoin? I'm sure Michael, you are, but I following do. Bitcoin. I, yep. I do. I follow it very lightly. I we uh, at, at the firm we're not huge sort of proponents of, of ICOs or or um, and we haven't yet found a, a blockchain company that we want to invest in. But mm-hmm. we are super interested in the technology. And as a former lawyer, I think that some of the contractual sort of elements to blockchain as a technology make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it's it's going to be a a very useful technology over time. Uh, I myself have. 
very small positions in several mm-hmm. uh, coins. Um, like but Bitcoin? I do not yeah. have Bitcoin. Oh, really? Uh-huh. No, I have some other coins. Um, you know, uh, right now I'd say uh, pretty substantially underwater. So clearly I, I got sort of curious at the wrong moment, but that's okay. It's, it's play money. Yeah. What about Bitcoin? There's no CEO, no headquarters. Um, Maybe we can uh, send her some sats. Figure out how to send her some sats later Ooh, on. What wallet do you have? <laughs> Let's get in the game. I'm in Coinbase. Coinbase? Yeah. All right, we'll send yeah. Easy. Easy, easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. How about yourself, Michael? Me too, Coinbase. Coinbase? Bitcoin. Bitcoin. That was um, where I first on ramped. Yeah. And then, uh, not directly, but indirectly, um, the one of the companies that I'm an investor in um, called Flowplay. Uh, was an original um, investor in Dragon Chain. So we got involved in that one as well. That one's quite a wild ride. Local company, (laughs) love you. Very cool company, doing really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Also part of the council. Indeed. So uh, let's uh, let's go like a little bit into the history. Uh, Michael, you Mm. know, uh, amazing career in history. Um, How did you get introduced into the WTIA and how did you start here and... (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the 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 bald truth is that um, I really didn't know much about the WTIA uh, when I sold my last company, uh, a company called Live Mocha. I sold right. that to Rosetta Stone roughly you know, the middle of 2013. I got on a motorcycle and spent some time like checking out the Pacific Northwest because oh, I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. Oh, wow. And the board of directors had started a search for a new. CEO for the WTIA and they looked at my LinkedIn and they wanted me to introduce them to this really awesome woman that I know that is the executive director of a huge nonprofit in DC. Mm. And so they wanted me to hook her up with Peggy and like see if Peggy wanted this job. So I said to Peggy, like, are you interested in this gig? And she goes, Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) So I went back to the, I went back to the board and the recruiter. I'm like, so what, what is this gig exactly? Cause she doesn't think very much of it. Oh boy. (laughs) And the way they described it was a blank sheet of paper. And they said the the paraphrasing what the, the search committee said at the time was uh, the WTIA has been around for at that time, roughly 30 years. Um, we got about a million dollars a year coming in in dues I'm really not sure what a trade association is in the 21st century. You want someone to figure it out. And I said, well, why are you looking for someone with <laughs> like a huge global nonprofit experience? Why aren't you looking for a turnaround person? And they're like, mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, I just had a curiosity. Would I be qualified for this job? And they asked me, well, have you, have you served on a nonprofit before? No. Have you served on a nonprofit board? No. You know anything about public policy? No. And like, so you're just <laughs> not super qualified. And I was like, why does that have anything to do with the project, which is turning this thing around? Oh. So I said, well, you know, if you guys change your mind, I'd, I'd be curious to explore that because that's my thing. I like that. That's like a startup or a turnaround. That would be fun for me. So I don't know, maybe a month later, I got a call back from the recruiter saying they'd like to interview you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Came in, checked it out. Wasn't really sure. And, you know, for sure, I, I was super not qualified to do the job. <laughs> I ended up here as an experiment, frankly. Experiment. Yes. Well, so... Uh, that reminds me of the story. I think it's from Reed Hoffman because uh, he's ex PayPal mafia. Yep. Uh, but apparently, ever since he exited, right, mm-hmm. the, the, all the whole team exited, uh, he's never invested into like a financial services play. <laughs> it's like it's like he knows too much, or he's just scarred or something, so he just won't touch financial services. But he'll do, you know, people strangers sleeping in your home. So he'll lead yeah, that deal. Right. That's right. <laughs> so you almost have to not. 
know the 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 situation that you're going to get into uh, before you just jump in. Definitely so helped here. Yeah. I had no, <laughs> no idea what I was getting myself into for sure. Well, I think I think yeah, I think those are 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 different, but but maybe related points. I mean, I think one of the things about knowing too much is that you can't have that boundless optimism. Mm. And uh, I spent a long time in the energy sector as well, and in. And when I first started investing, I thought, oh, I'll do, you know, clean energy investing. But you just, you know too much. And so you can't see past all of the hurdles. Um, But I think what's been interesting, and I think this, you guys were giving me an idea here. I think one thing we should do at some point, Michael, is kind of write up what has worked and what hasn't worked for you here Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. Because I think, you know, certainly the turnaround process was part of it. But when I think about what has made your time here so impactful and what is so astounding about the organization as it has grown up under you Mm -hmm. is the amount of entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, there are new businesses, including the Blockchain Council, but new businesses sort of popping up out of this entity on a continuous basis. Some of them are nonprofit businesses. Some of them are even for-profit businesses that are in service of the nonprofit business. Um, But I, and I have been on a lot of um, sort of industry boards and around a lot of that sort of policymaking stuff in my time. And I think that what we have done here, and and I use we very loosely because I take no credit for it, but what we have done here is is really unusual for an organization that sort of sits in the sector that we're in, and and there are certainly things where you probably feel like, ooh, my inexperience in X Y Z really held me back from being super effective in this or that. But big picture, the yeah. entrepreneurial impulse has allowed you to build an organization which is really, really different and would be a great case study, I yeah. think. Um, you know, Maybe we can uh, call up Harvard or something. <laughs> it's uh, a wacky story and, for sure. uh, yeah. and talk about what it's like when you drop an entrepreneur into this kind of Petri right. dish. Yeah, can we talk about that? Yeah. Well, um, before we segue into that, uh, before we get too far, do you want to do an introduction of Heather? Uh, she already did. did. Oh, we already did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> he he got, took care of the kids. He got so excited <laughs> about the conversation. <laughs> Baby right. duty. That's yeah. Funny. Who's who's running oh, this podcast yeah. anyway, exactly. man? Yeah. 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 Well, actually, if you look at the uh, photo of our podcast, there's two of us with two steering wheels. Yes. So that's uh, this is classic, uh, right? You two oh, are perfect. Oh, do you have that problem in your marriage? We we have. Um, I think we've beaten it out of our marriage now, but, but you have no steering wheel. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We're it's we're 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 in self-driving mode now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, pretty much. Well, now we have a kid who tells us what to do. Exactly. That does well. come in in handy, actually, when they start running your lives. But um, <laughs> no, the uh, the thing where where okay, you sort of agree that something needs to happen, and then one of you says, "I will do it," and then when you get done doing it, you find out the other person did it too. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh God, oh, that yeah. kills me. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so Aaron and I say in those situations yeah. that our telepathy link failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Normally it's up all the time. Yeah. Just those times it just failed. Yeah. yeah. Didn't didn't past the Wi-Fi was down or something. So where do you want to go on this? Yeah. So uh, entrepreneurial case study. Maybe we could do like a teaser right now. Like top three. Can you narrow it down to three off the top of your head? I'm sure there's a ton of things that you think they were not expecting here at the WTIA that you brought to the table and actually worked. So I think it's really important to, to like be clear about the language you just used Uh-oh. because I didn't bring anything to the table. What, what I've learned as an entrepreneur okay. and as an investor is that you 
bring really smart people in to solve complicated problems Mm -hmm. and you give them the power to do it. And that's why almost everything we do now couldn't have been predicted because we got really smart people to look at really weird problems. I'll give you a classic example of that. Like, how do you serve 450 startups with a healthcare plan that makes it possible for them to really have world-class healthcare that's actually affordable for a startup? <laughs> like, how do you do that? Right. And there are a lot of people that like claim to do this kind of stuff, but we did all the homework on and find out everybody's basically bullshitting. There's, there isn't anything out there. So we, in order to go solve that problem, we had to iterate. We came up with an idea. We tried it. It didn't work. We came up with another idea. We tried it. It didn't work. And we kept at it, trying to solve that problem until, ta-da, we got something that worked. And what we got was, like, nobody in the accounting firms that do all of the 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 audits for us have ever seen before. They're kind of, well, this is really weird. So we have a nonprofit, which is a 501c6, <laughs> serving for-profit companies, which is already weird anywhere, but all trade associations are weird because of that. Mm -hmm. And we had to create another nonprofit to put those companies into to sponsor the healthcare plan, and then it then had to be run by someone. So we tried to hire organizations to do that, and they all failed. Hmm. So we had to create a company Hmm. to run the healthcare plan for the nonprofit subsidiary of a nonprofit. This, so. this podcast comes with diagrams, right? <laughs> and yeah. it works. So let's walk yeah. you through that. The Lots WTIA nonprofit <laughs> has a subsidiary nonprofit of healthcare, mm-hmm. and it contracts with a subsidiary of the WTIA that is a for profit company that actually runs the healthcare plan and manages it through the broker channel. And if you don't set it up that way, you can't answer the, <laughs> we can't solve the problem. Wow. So, and as a result, 10,000 people get healthcare. That's super affordable. And the average increase in healthcare in our system mm-hmm. is well under 10%. Like last year was a 6% increase. Which is like amazing. Almost no one yeah. else is seeing low single digit increases right. in healthcare. Well, and if you think about it from a, an ecosystem standpoint, and I always try to think about, you know, how do we make this place even more special? You know, right. Lake Union definitely helps, but there are even more things we can do. And one of the issues that we've had over time is how do we allow people to take their startup ideas and get funded, find team members, et cetera. And as, as you guys know, we were talking about everybody's kids before we went live here. It can be really daunting to leave a big company when you've got little ones that are depending mm-hmm. on you or just yourself and you are a hypochondriac or whatever. You know, you really yeah, get right. worried about the quality of the healthcare and the cost of the healthcare and sort of making that turnkey and easy and affordable is, is really crucial to unleashing some of those entrepreneurial impulses that you know, we hope we understand and embody to some mm-hmm. degree, but but we also just want to encourage in others. Yeah. Right. Actually, to we when we both of us went off the uh, corporate, um, I guess what is it? Purse treadmill. Treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> we we were able to benefit from the WTI healthcare system. Yeah. Well done. Right. And well done. We're very thankful for that because you know yeah. I was about to have a baby and we had a child and we're like, oh, what's gonna happen? Yeah. yeah. So it was it is a really precarious. Seriously, it is because me, you know, a couple decades in telecom wide area networks. It was just an afterthought that I had a, you know. Of course you got, you're covered. Corporate yeah. Job. Yeah, yeah. Of course I have insurance from day one. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it was, uh, you know, leaving. It's just like, oh man, this is not right. <laughs> Actually, this, this is a, re- a good example. Mm-hmm. Sort of finish the thought on this whole healthcare thing is yeah. one of the reasons why the WTIA gets involved in public policy mm-hmm. is because the rules for healthcare 
the way it's set up in the state, Mm -hmm. we are allowed to serve companies between two and 50 employees with this program. Yeah, it's amazing. Which is nuts. Think about this. There's 15,000 people who are independent contractors that are self-described and pay taxes to the Washington State Department of Revenue as tech companies, Mm -hmm. one-person LLCs. We're not allowed to serve them. Because of the way the rules are set up. So yeah, wait, why do we get enough active, yeah. actively involved in public policy? Because it's just some stuff like that's just dumb. <laughs> so we, we, ha- we have a mission to serve the tech industry and we solve problems with entrepreneurial spirit like that. Mm-hmm. And then we go try to find help with experts that know something about public policy to go mm-hmm. see if we can change the rules. I, I would say haven't of, 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 of all of Michael's, you know, learnings, I mean, this is partly why he likes this job, I'm sure, is that there are some things that he was not prepared to do mm-hmm. and that were not, you know, sort of in his natural <laughs> skill set. And in fact, if you were to, you know, look up entrepreneur and what are the, you know, the sort of the, the counter indications for who's going to make a good entrepreneur, it would probably be some of the things that Michael's had to learn how to do and, and still, you know, sort of put into his overall sort of basket of entrepreneurship and that would include things like being political Mm -hmm. and knowing you know how to sort of disagree and and make nice on things when you're you know living to fight another day and you've got to do a lot of weird compromises that don't necessarily make logical sense if you were trying to do math around them and and but yet that's really important for the tech industry right Mm -hmm. now and and it's something that um, I'm really proud of our leadership in that area uh, as the WTIA because I think tech all across the world, um, but particularly um, tech on the West Coast where we have such a leadership position, has not been able to figure out how to engage in public policy and in sort of society in a systemic way in the way that we really are going to need to over the next few decades. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the tech clash, the um, the externalities that, that you know, certainly tech companies companies um, have on in a community that they're in or just in a in a um, any sphere they're in you know mm-hmm. the externalities of, of Facebook's uh, you know hyper targeting for example and, and what it can do to the political sphere uh, those things are 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 uh, giving us reasons, you know, to be called to the table, Mm -hmm. but we need to go to the table on our own because there are things that, that we want to grapple with proactively, uh, that, that are, you know, as a result of what we do as an industry, but there are also things that we need in order to continue to, to create the kinds of economies that exist on the West coast and to create the sorts of jobs that will be the jobs of the future to the extent that, uh, you know, that jobs still exist. We're, we're going to be the ones that are creating those jobs. Absolutely. And especially in this region, it's extremely important. So like um, first point that Michael brought on his uh, entrepreneurial case study was I what I my regurgitation is create space for the smartest people to step up and uh, iterate and experiment and figure out the best ways to solve these really hard problems. That's right. Uh, Maybe like you can comment on like what's it been like to discover how to be air quote political because usually political is like a scary bad thing and here I'm hearing that it's actually a very good thing to be politically minded and aware um, and have that political skill what does that mean right so there are there are sectors of the economy that are really good at this because they've been regulated so like within tech if you say tech generically it's really wide right so in tech there are companies that are telcos or ISPs, oh. highly regulated. So those companies are really deep subject matter experts in 
What does it mean to have government relations? What is your role and your responsibility in the community as a company, as a large corporation that's an employer, but also you have a big footprint, right? So companies like AT&T and Comcast and Verizon, they've got a lot of experience. They've got, in some cases, over 100 years of experience of what this is all about. The tech industry, when you think through the lens of, like software is basically the tech industry, right? right? So Microsoft is now almost like the grand parent of public policy (laughs) because of, I mean, ask the folks that work there. They'll tell you they, they've learned it through blood, sweat, and tears because of the browser wars. That's where it really began for them. Up until then, they're like every other tech company, which is most tech and tech companies today, which is they're not regulated and kind of like, they don't have to care. They just have to, they have to ship a product and make payroll Mm. and someday they need to make a profit. And so it's a really incredibly, existential threat oriented industry like everybody knows that if they don't reinvent themselves they're going to die so that's the priority mm. how much time and energy do you have to worry about government relations or corporate social responsibility but the industry as a whole is growing up mm-hmm. it's now overall it's now using software as the measurement 50 60 years old mm-hmm. and that industry is beginning to rise and recognize wow like we're a third of the state's economy. <laughs> we're like a hundred percent. Well, not that's an exaggeration, but we're like almost all of the growth of this state's economy. Wow. Right. Right. And while we are on the one hand having an impact on jobs in terms of people having less old jobs, we are creating jobs 10 times faster than schools are producing people. Mm-hmm. So we have a, in order for us to continue to grow as an industry, we have both a right but more a responsibility mm-hmm. to become active stewards of the community in which we operate. Mm. So there's like this wake up happening. I mean, when I first took this job, nobody wanted to ca- talk about public policy except yeah. Microsoft. They were good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Almost nobody else even wanted to like pick up the phone and talk about it. Well, now we've got like 25 companies who are actively engaged on a regular basis about, okay, what's going on? How do we work together? How do we do this? And that's like back to Heather's point is mm-hmm. we have an incredible opportunity as an industry to become proactive, really good partners with the societies in which we operate. We don't stand alone. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's an opportunity for us to lead from this state. I mean, I think what we're role yeah. modeling and, and partly, you know, I, I, I do give credit to Microsoft. I and mean, I think Brad Smith has kind of become the, the you know, de facto UN ambassador for the, you know, the worldwide tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, he is doing some of the thinking and he acknowledges that it's partly because he has the luxury of some business models at Microsoft that are not as challenging as business models at Google or Facebook. Um, and same thing for Apple. I mean, they've got the advantage of a business model that doesn't run into as many of the issues as as, um, as Facebook and Google's. But we do have a heritage here, I think, of um, being more thoughtful and building companies that are not sort of flashes in the pan, but are providing some really valuable services and goods, you know, for the long haul and for the world. And so if we can also innovate and pioneer in how the tech industry 
works with the communities that it's part of, I think that'll be a really good thing for us to have done as well. And we'll put the companies that grow up inside of of our ecosystem at a competitive advantage over time because they're not going to make some of the rookie mistakes that companies that are still living in, you know, sort of denial about tech's sort of place in the world um, might might tend to fall into. Yeah, and and that's actually exactly why we ended up creating the first nationally registered tech apprenticeship. Right, right. Actually, talk about that. It's a huge problem-solving issue. Everything that Heather just described actually rotates around the fundamental issue that we have in an industry is that we create jobs super fast and there's nobody to do those jobs. Mm -hmm. And we had a thesis that said, well, you shouldn't only be looking at people who are recent grads as the potential worker. Yes. There are literally millions of people in the country we think, who could do the job if only they were given the path and the training to do it, Mm -hmm. which sounded like a radical thesis when we first came up with it. And the only way to make that thing work is to create a consortium of companies who will work together and a consortium of training partners who work together. So it requires this political skill that Heather was pointing out that I've had to learn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my my, frankly, my my entire executive team has had to learn. It's Mm -hmm. like, how do you get those people to collaborate? How do you get these people to work together, put their guns down and actually talk and not shoot each other? Mm-hmm. And then, and how do you jointly collaboratively solve a problem like that? And the answer now becomes, you know, that's a great example is as a result of that collaboration, some experiments have taken place and over the last four years, we figured out a model that actually works. We can take people who were Uber drivers or forklift drivers or move in just boxes for a living mm-hmm. and they're software developers at Microsoft or Amazon or Avo or F5. I mean, we got phenomenal outcomes mm-hmm. um, only because you can get the right people in the room to solve problems. So it's we've taken this entrepreneurial mindset not just inside our company to incubate ideas, but mm-hmm. we're, we're expanding it out to bring the right people into a room to solve complicated problems together. And we're giving them the space, as you put it, yeah. to try to succeed. And I think the thing that's really the big surprise to me is that we live in a world ruled by fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all we really have to do, it's like, is there not a lot of work on our part strategically? All we have to do is create enough space for people to get excited about failing mm. because <laughs> by, by getting it wrong, we know yeah. what not to do again. Right, right. And that's yep. good. Now let's try something different. And yeah. that just having that mindset is enough of a shift sometimes that really cool things can happen like healthcare it, for startups or tech it, apprenticeships it, for people it, that are it not It is in the interesting system. that the story that you told on the healthcare, which I know was a condensed story because there were other bumps along the road and, and some scary moments, oh, yeah. et cetera. But yeah. the, 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 what's interesting about that story and the apprentice story, uh, which is the apprenticeship program has an equal number of twists and turns um, yeah. is that the, the the number of pivots and the oh, yeah. number of projects that had to be killed and the you know so lots of failure mm-hmm. along the way um, clear objective you know in both cases of allowing entrepreneurs to to thrive um, in the small setting for healthcare and then allowing companies to grow in the larger um, uh, context for apprentice yeah. right. um, that those you know that clarity of those objectives of like well. There's this hard constraint that UW and WSU and SU and all these other, you know, community colleges can't kick out enough new grads for us. Right. So 
gosh, there's got to be, what are we overlooking here? You right. know, and then continuing to work through that in a variety of ways until you finally hit upon a solution, which will still have bumps in the road, I'm sure. But it's, it is um, a hallmark of this organization. And it's, and, and Michael's right. It's not just Michael. It is, it is really, he's the, the folks that he's got on board here and They're the amazing. longevity of them. You know, the fact that they have not fled to go run mm-hmm. product group ABC at Amazon, which any of them could do, mm-hmm. uh, is really exceptional. Yeah. They they are a very talented team. I mean, I know this is your podcast, but I can't, kind of oh, really want to turn this around on you because uh, I, I think when you and I met, like sort of by accident, yeah. I mean, it was actually not an accident. Actually, you did it. You drove it. So, I mean, <laughs> I think one of the reasons why there was such an affinity if I, literally in our first five minutes in the Zen room, oh, yeah, right, I know. I was like, is oh. that like you felt... You felt a kinship, right? Yeah. You're you're an entrepreneur. You're yeah. you're wired that way, and this idea that you had of forming a blockchain council, mm-hmm. which none of us even thought of that <laughs> as a problem to solve. You showed up, big, hairy, audacious goal. Let's build this giant thing to solve this huge problem about blockchain lack of education among both investors as well as regulators. Oh, yep. Let's fix that. I'm like, cool, awesome, giant problem. <laughs> Super cool. Let's, let's figure it out. I have no idea what we're doing, but let's go try it. <laughs> yeah. and so, and now we're doing that together. I, that's, you know, I think that's to me, that's, yeah, that's why I'm still and here. It, and it's become cool. a model for other things too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think if if Michael doesn't start a new you know business somewhere in the <laughs> the you know the confines of this building, you know, every eighteen months he's probably you know going to quit on <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else would get bored too. Yeah. So I, I'm con- I'm expecting this will continue to happen, which is yeah. which is great with me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you know from what I've experienced with the WTIA, it's definitely been a eye-opening experience, you know, the trips down to Olympia, uh, realizing the amount of education awareness that we need to do as a group in the tech world. We need to think of it more as partnerships and community versus us versus them. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also been, you know, running into people, a hairdresser and actually an Uber driver specifically that said they had really um, high hopes and were going through the apprentice program. And so I know the results have been really amazing with that. Just to jump into that a little more, because I'm not (laughs) as familiar with it um it was reminding me of the uh the fact that germany has a really Mm -hmm. heavy uh, apprenticeship program to go into like um um, a trade oh really you don't have to go to a four-year college to get a you know a good job good you can actually just start working in your trade yeah get trained and then keep working and then so i've been hearing around here in the tech industry for a long time about how you know, universities aren't kicking out enough students like you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. Right. So is this a way to get that sort of like, like proper school accreditation for private organizations who are training people to be software engineers? It's funny that you bring up Germany because that that actually was one of our models. Yep. Mm. Um, the, the German system has three tiers to it. The one you just described, which is the straight trades like you leave what they they call high school and you go straight into a trade and you become an apprentice and you can become everything from a forklift driver to construction to um you know that includes things like nurses there yeah but then Uh there's a the the top tier of that three-tier system is pure research university degrees so that includes lawyers it includes phds and there's a lot of research folks that go and the physicists they come out of that system the germans have got a middle system you can get an apprenticeship to become a salesperson, to be an engineer, and a software developer. You can become an electrical mechanical engineer. Whoa. You can become a chemical engineer. They have an apprenticeship system that's fully integrated 
with the mm-hmm. schooling system. So that was a really cool model for us. And we're in, we fixed, we figured out the process for making an apprenticeship to learn how to be a software developer. The thing that's still missing here, and we're working with Lake Washington Institute of Tech and a couple of other schools to figure out how do we set it up so that you're also earning credits toward a degree while you do the apprenticeship so that it becomes a fully integrated system. We want to model that here so that we can just take that, post it on the internet and say, all y'all 50 states, go do this. Because this, if you want to solve the adult worker retraining program, which we're just like staring at with artificial intelligence and a lot of productivity enhancement that are taking place through tech for the last 20, 30 years, there's a really desperate need for that. Well, Mm -hmm. we're trying to teach the rest of the world through example, how do you do Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So really the apprentice program becomes you know, a two for or three for even a four for when you when you really break it down. When I when I think of it, you know, you've got obviously this great need for workers and we're an organization that exists to serve our members who are all desperate to hire. I and mean, it's always when you survey them and ask, what is the number one thing you want WTIA to solve for you? It's like, give me more great yes. people. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the, probably the number two thing that comes up would be something like, and I need more diversity. Yes. And mm-hmm. so apprentice is is heavily weighted toward trying to find diverse candidates so it's not geared toward people coming right out of high school necessarily it's geared toward people who have some aptitude and are in a job that they would like to get rid of and get a better one right mm-hmm. you yep. know and That's so right. um but we but the program yeah, the average uh, age is 31 years old yeah which oh. is really cool to see people kind of reinvent their lives at, at that stage yeah. because it's it's also good for people speaking of you know failing and trying something new it's good for people to know you're never done you know you can always decide that you're going to become yeah. something else and this gives people that opportunity mm-hmm. um but then you think about some of the things we were talking about earlier like the need for technology as an industry to look at some of the things that as a byproduct of the wonderful work it does occur in society and this you know looming thing Andrew Yang you know is particularly big on this but this looming thing of unemployment in all sorts of fields that were big employers um, that's something that we want to be proactive about and models like apprentice you know if they work can really be can really be part of that Um, so it's it's just interesting to think when you sort of spin some of these things out what comes of them yeah real results too like I don't know the exact numbers Michael but I heard like incoming uh, students or people into apprentice yeah. thir- age 31 yep. average income was like 30 something and then coming 000. out they're coming out with like 85k correct well, the, av- the average whoa. delta it's in crazy. income is $50,000 yeah. a year I mean this is life changing life changing family and changing to, to Heather's diversity point yeah. we're the inverse of the tech industry by design it's mm-hmm. 80% women people of color and veterans Oh. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Chills down my back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, guess what? Yeah. They're the ones that are the millions of people who are in the underemployed category, right? right? These are people very often with four-year degrees in you name it, liberal arts degrees, even technical degrees, but they right. didn't get a job in the thing they studied. Right. So you got people with a chemistry degree or an English degree, and they are really smart. Right. And they're baristas. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You can take those people, train them. <laughs> And guess what? That's where the women and the people of color and the veterans are. Right. If you're looking for a diverse candidate pool, do not go <laughs> to the standard pipeline. We've proven that beyond a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Max, yeah. max, like University of Washington kicks butt in its engineering program. It's 30% women. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. is like really it should. Why is it not fifty five percent women? Right. Yeah, I mean it's, they work really hard, and they, and they yeah, as, as Michael that. says, they're they're way above average. Um, my final, my forfer on apprentice uh, that mm-hmm. I'll just mention because I think it is another critical need of the tech industry is right. that. Um, it's it's hard sometimes when you've sort of grown up in privilege and right. you are so desired by your employer to really feel the magic of the job that you get to yep. do. And I get to go to work every day and be a venture capitalist, and I can be whiny sometimes. You know, it's really good. I have to... never heard you whine. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah, come, come. Yeah, just ask Alexa what I'm doing when no one's listening except for Alexa. Um, but, uh, you know, to have some of these people in your teams uh, can be transformative for the culture of the company as well because these folks I mean you talk about going through a program that's less than a year long and ending up with a salary that truly is a salary that you can support a family on and and live you know in a in a decent neighborhood and and really have a career and a ladder that you can climb ahead of you those people become you know really the heart and soul of their teams mm-hmm. and transform those teams and make everybody more excited about coming to work so mm-hmm. that's a tremendous win for the companies as well but also right. for all those individuals you know just being more integrated in your society and knowing people who didn't come up the same way you came up is mm-hmm. is a huge value for for everybody. Actually, we interviewed uh, Jonathan Sposato recently right. and he talked about this. He's like, I didn't want to be stuck in just tech people and tech friends. And so I actively seek out those in the food industry and other industries to be friends with so that mm-hmm. I can just uh, stay aware. And I know you you do like a lot of surfing and so you're or, or <laughs> yeah, paddleboarding, yeah. right? Yeah. All that, yeah. Keeping a making sure that we're aware of the rest of the community around us. So important. So sure. important. Yeah. So I think we got a time constraint. Maybe we're coming up against. Oh, yes. Okay. yes. So just to put a wrapper on this specific topic. So our very own um, Dan over at uh, Gravity Payments. Oh, yeah. Remember, he made, yep. you know, mm-hmm. national headlines yep. by raising, you know, the minimum pay annual to 70K. Right, right. And so that speaks directly to, you know, jumping from 30 to 80. Yep. You know, that speaks directly to the level of, um, you know, Impact. happiness and you know ability to live uh you know yeah in the, in the world that's very expensive to live in nowadays you bet. yeah well okay. if anybody out there is interested in learning more come out and check out the uh, wti office or how else uh, washingtontechnology.org <laughs> washingtontechnology.org and yes. then if people want to follow you um, or get in touch with you specifically heather and michael I have a super public social media profile. My my Facebook is public, my Twitter is public, Whoa. and my Instagram is public. You know, you just like if you just nice. if you can spell my last name S C H U T Z L E R, you'll find me on any one of those three. Thank you, Michael and Heather. Awesome. I, I am also quite public, and and uh, at Heather Redman should find me most places awesome. on Twitter. Oh, indeed, awesome. on Twitter. Yeah, awesome. yeah. She's she's more Twitterish than I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more Instagrammy. <laughs> yeah, I don't paddle, so you know I have nothing to Instagram. Lots of pictures. <laughs> I, have, I have words. Yeah, she's very good with words. So maybe um, so. Partly, this was my logistics. The physical layer, you know, the telecom world is very very difficult to to manage. So I was I was late. I had to set up the studio and everything. So maybe uh, we could do a part two and just kind of expand on you know more more stuff. Because we only had you know a little bit of time here to get together. What do you think? Mm, maybe later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was yeah. great. Thanks a lot for yeah. doing this. No, we, we certainly covered uh, a lot of interesting things <laughs> that did. WTIA does, and uh, I think gave you a picture for how the organization has evolved. Yeah. So yeah. do a part two. More more mm-hmm. evolution to come. 
Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having us. And thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for all. Appreciate it. Yeah. Inviting us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. We appreciate ratings, reviews, and comments. And together we rise. All right. Be nice to each other out there, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This is Tatiana from New York City. None of the statements or opinions expressed in this podcast by the guests or its host is to be taken as financial or legal or psychological or dietary advice or a solicitation of any kind to participate in a conservative or risky or speculative financial instrument that may or may not require accredited investor status as defined by either the Securities and Exchange Commission or the Commodities Future Trading Commissions of the United States of America or independent thought and rational thinking from the laws of humanity. By listening, you acknowledge that the hosts, Arian Day, and their guests are not financial advisors or legal scholars or psychologists or dietitians of any kind, but only humans and not sentient intergalactic alien life forms. There shall be no reliance by the listeners to the representations made in this podcast as being factual, fiduciary, or any other big vocabulary word that you can think of. All statements made in this podcast by any living or dead or unborn or a zombie, or a robotic entity in the past, present, or future of the space-time continuum of the known universe are purely ironic or coincidental thoughts and opinions. Moments of sarcasm, sadness, education, glee, entertainment, or any other emotion found in this podcast are your full responsibility and reaction that may or may not be intended for the listener in any way, shape, or form. This podcast contains adult information. Discretion is strongly advised. Thank you for listening. Right. Let's talk paddleboarding. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you do that a lot. I do that a lot. <laughs> I do that a lot. Getting into the cold time of the year. It is. It's neoprene Ooh, time. Yeah. All right.